following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Did y'all see my little trick? It's a long way from there to here. So I did it in sections today. I ran a quarter mile, then another quarter mile. I like to never got out here the first time I walked out here. I had to stop getting my breath. But I'm glad I made it today. Y'all okay? Everybody all right? Everybody all right? Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Are you glad to be in his house? You know, it just feels good. There's nothing like the house of the Lord. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his sanctuary. David loved the house of God. He really, really did. I think I'm a David kid. I love this house. When we were building this thing, I'd come in here and have epiphanies. I'd have these aha moments, these these charis times, this word that means just a now time, just right now, not a calendar time, but right now. And I still do it. I, I, this is my fourth Sunday to preach in this building. We had a rough opening. Folks, it was rough on December the 20th. And then we had our first service on January the 3rd. And a lot of y'all were still skiing in the mountains and you wasn't worried about us. And we was worried about you coming back with a broke leg or a disabled shoulder. And you got back. And then last Sunday, old Frosty the Snowman joined us. He joined us. Our kids came over that evening. Folks, I walked out of second service Sunday, and before I got to my car, I had it all over me. I had snow all over me. It was not a dry, it was a wet snow. It was sticking. It was sticking. And when it hit me, it didn't melt, so I'm not that hot. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but by the time I got to my car, I was just covered with snow. Of course, I'm talking, walking. I'm not running. And what a joy. Our kids came over Sunday night and they built a snowman and he stayed with us three days. Old Frosty stayed with us three days and he finally said goodbye. We probably won't see him again until another Haley's Comet comes around. I don't know when we'll see him again. But what a joy to have snow in Austin. That excited me. That made me feel like that God still loves us. We had snow in Austin. I did a little thing uh, last week. I talked about that weather station in the Bermuda, in, in, down in Bermuda in the Bermuda Triangle, it, it, down there, it said, uh, this, is, this is, says, check the rock. If it's wet, it's raining. If it's moving, it's windy. If you can't see it, it's foggy. And if it's gone, it's a hurricane. But if it's white, it's snowing. And it snowed. Of course, it never snowed down there, but it snowed in Austin, and I'm grateful. So I'm kind of pumped today. Would you stand to your feet? You're incredible people. I love, love, love you. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited that we got people on this side. That you walked, you took the journey and sat on this side. That is so exciting to me. And uh, I really believe, folks, that God let us build this. Not to try to quote a movie theme, but I believe that when we build this, they will come. And I believe that God's going to send people that are hungry for a wonderful spirit-filled environment. For a place where they can lay their burdens down and pick up the blessedness of God and walk in grace, and walk in victory, and walk in power. And I believe that's happening. And I thank you for being here today and being witnesses of that. It's just an honor. It's an honor to be your pastor. Everybody say, Pastor. pastor. Preach to me today. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to me today. Let the word touch my mind. 
Let it change my mind. Preach to me today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. And you may be seated. God bless your incredible people. So today we're doing the final session on I will be better. I will be better. The first week, the first Sunday of the year, we talked about the first two principles of this was keep pressing forward. Paul said, one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind me, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. That's one thing I do. I press toward the mark. You got to press toward something. Let me tell you something. God's best times are not behind you. His best blessings are not in yesterday. His best blessings are still before you. You have not lived your greatest life yet. It's still coming. And then we also talked about being positive toward yourself. You know, it's real easy to get into a situation in your life and start grumbling to yourself and calling yourself bad names. I'm not even going to name them, but bad names. Oh, you're this or you're that. No, you're not. You are God's creation. I don't care if you're struggling. I don't care if you're walking in sinking sand. You are God's creation and God loves you right where you are. And don't be negative to yourself. And then last week we talked about developing better relationships. I think one way to do that is get in a life group. Find people, find people. You need to surround yourself with people that will be encouraging to you. Not people that will drag you down, but people that will be encouraging to you. This church is an encouraging place. So get in a, get in a life group. Patty's starting a life group this semester. I'm starting a life group this semester. I just thought it's time to start a life group. And I'm going to start one. So I've already had one person asked to be in it. <laughs> Boy, they're really, they're really flocking to my life group. <laughs> and then, and then last, last week we talked about form better habits. You just got to be better in your habits. Amen. You got to be better in your eating habits, in your health habits, in your spiritual habits. I think it's cool to get up in the morning and pray like we've been doing around here for the last two weeks. I think that's a neat habit to get into. Uh, this morning, guys and gals, I woke up at 4.30 because I've been getting up at 4.45 to come to prayer. And I hate when I do that. I can't stand when I can't sleep. And so I got up and I prayed a little while and I said, well, I might as well get ready and go on to church. And I got here earlier than I've ever been in my life today. I got here earlier than ever. And so form better habits. So today we're going to talk about the last three and there are going to be three that's going to wrap it up and put a bow on it. And we're going to send you home and rejoice in today. But tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and so I'm going to honor the man. I've told you many times that I, uh, <laughs> I used to stop at truck stops and buy his cassette tapes. They used to sell those when I traveled by myself. And, and Dr. King used to preach to me. And one of the greatest statements he ever made, and I wish he was here to make it today, and I'm, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it to my vernacular, but he's talking to his four children. He said, I have a dream that one day people will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Amen. Dr. King, I wish you was here today. I know you'd be an old, old man if you was around today, but you had a dream for peace, not a dream for war. And I honor you today. A man showed up at church with his ears painfully blistered one day. And after service, a concerned pastor asked him, what in the world happened to you? He said, well, 
I was lying on the couch yesterday afternoon watching a ball game on TV and my wife was ironing nearby. And I was totally engrossed in the game when she left the room leaving the iron near the phone. And the phone rang and keeping my eyes glued on the TV so I wouldn't miss the play, I grabbed the hot iron and put it up to my ear. <laughs> so how'd the other ear get burned, the pastor asked. He said, well, I had no more hung up and the guy called again. Now there was a man who was focused. He was focused. He was so caught up in watching the game, he didn't know what he was doing. Can I confess, Patty has walked in the room before and I didn't even know she was there. She ain't gonna get in front of the cowboys. God loves us. I love you, Patty. God loves us like we are, but he loves us enough not to leave us like we are. Our motto, our mission statement in this church is simply this. We are a church that loves you where you are and helps you move where God wants you to be. And I believe that. Paul wrote in the book of Philippians chapter one, he said, be confident of this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. When I was a little old boy, I learned BP, WM, GN, FW, MY. And it simply means be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. Would you lift your hand and say it with me? Be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. You hear that husband? You hear that wife? Stay with me. I love you. If you want to be a better person, if you want to be a better parent, if you want to be a better man, if you want to be a better woman, if you want to be a better leader, if you want to be a better example, you got to keep pressing forward. You got to be positive about yourself. You got to develop better relationships and you have to form better habits. And today I go into the fifth of these seven and here's the fifth one. You got to embrace the place where you are. Everybody say embrace the place. Do you know, do you know some, someone who's not happy with where they are in life? Do you have a friend like that? Perhaps it's a she and she's frustrated because she's not in a good relationship and her internal clock is, is ticking. Or he's upset because somebody's not treating him fair in his career path. And they're constantly worried and they're trying to reason things out and they're trying to change things that only God can change. See, we create a lot of our unhappiness and frustrations by constantly resisting and fighting against situations and circumstances in our lives. Christian author Philip Yancey, one of my favorite, said he found it interesting and intriguing that the book of Ecclesiastes is one of the most brutally pessimistic books of the Bible. But it was written from a perspective of King Solomon, who was one of the wisest and richest and most powerful men and he was living during a time of unprecedented prosperity, yet he made a brutal, horrible, sad, pessimistic book. King Solomon had everything that the human heart could desire, and he had it in abundance. So why did he sound so hopeless? Then Yancey recalled that modern-day existentialist literature, which is steeped in apathy and steeped in despair, had its start in Paris during a time of great prosperity and great peace. I love what the Apostle Paul declared when he said, I have learned to be content in whatever state I am in. 
He talked about prison. He talked about being stoned. He talked about writing epistles. Whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. In fact, he said to Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. I love that. I want to encourage you today, everybody in the house, to relax, just relax, and accept the place where you are right now. You know, we all have things we want to change and things we want to see different, sure, but I've made a statement in this house. Some mountains cannot be cast into the sea. Some mountains have to be climbed. And I want to tell you, if you really believe that God is in control of your life, and is directing your steps, then we must believe that we're exactly where we're supposed to be right now. Don't try to get ahead of him. And God forbid, don't try to stay too far behind. Walk with God and see what God will do for you this year in your life. I will be better. I read about an ex-pastor who spoke what's in your hand, the story of Moses on the backside of the desert. The day in the audience, a woman was in a place of frustration in her life. Her husband was a roofer and he had fallen off a roof, had made a great living for them and he had fallen and crippled himself so badly that he could not work. And so it was on her to work, but she had three children. The youngest of the three was a three-year-old daughter who was deaf and she needed special attention. And so the mother was just frustrated sitting in the audience that day, but all of a sudden that weekend she got an idea. She realized how she could do it was offer her skills as a translator to the deaf in local hospitals. And she was now excited. And she ended up working nights as a translator in the hospital emergency room making more money <laughs> than her husband used to make roofing houses because it was a need that they had to have her in those hospitals. See, some people wear themselves out constantly praying, constantly resisting, constantly rebuking, and they beg God, please God, you have to change this situation. Change my husband. <laughs> I don't like my job. But we cannot pray everything uncomfortable in our lives out. God's not gonna remove every difficulty immediately. He won't eliminate the annoying circumstances or the annoying people in your life. They'll always be there. He said they would. We don't grow nearly as much when everything is easy because it's when we build our strength in resistance that with fire and with fire, it refines us and we get stronger when we resist things that are coming against us. When I was 25 years old, I couldn't spell it, but I was a pastor in Dallas and I lived in the back of the church that I was pastoring for a space of five months, my wife, myself, and my little girl, Misty. And we lived in a, then we moved to a 1200 square foot home. That was my residence for the next five years. And on a church income of $1,100 a year in 1976 and about 12 or 1300 in 1977. We didn't even have money to eat out. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad about me, but we were excited about our little church. I worked hard on every message and I preached somewhere almost every night just to exist. Folks, I didn't even realize we were sacrificing. I just thought that was what one does to preach the gospel. And recently, the Lord just tapped me on the shoulder just the other day, right over here praying the other morning. And he said, son, you were faithful. 
when you had to live in the back of a church, I'm so sorry. When you didn't have enough to eat and people had to send you money, I'm so sorry. But you were faithful over those things. I'm gonna make you faithful over the things that I'm gonna bless you with in 2021. Can I skip a little bit on that? I wanna tell you something. You need to embrace the place where you are. Don't be fussing about it. Don't be ignoring it. Don't be saying, I'm in a bad place, God. Say, God, I know I'm here for a reason. But you've got something better for me, something greater for me coming down the road. Recently, someone asked a dedicated Christian woman, what's the secret of you in being able to influence so many people? And she said, when you have contentment in your life, others are attracted to you. And when you have in your life, people say, I think I'll just go on out the other way. See, the secret of contentment is to put Christ in the center of everything you do and everywhere you go. If you are single today, listen to pastor, embrace your singleness. I was married. I was married for eight years, six months and 11 days and 14 hours. And I lost my wife and my boy. And I embraced the fact that I was gonna be a single father I didn't run and pout and hide away. I embraced that. You have to embrace the place where you are. If you're a low person on the totem pole at work, embrace the role that's as best you can be. I've seen people jump into relationships or business deals that they didn't feel good about but still wanted so badly that God allowed them to have what they insisted on even though it was not the best he had for, in mind for themselves, for them. First Timothy said this, pursue righteousness. Say righteousness. Pursue godliness. Pursue faith and love and endurance and gentleness. And I love what Pastor T.D. Jake said. He said, riches are what you have, but wealth is what you are. I may not have money, but I've got a wealth of opportunities in my life. I've got a wealth of creativity. I've got a wealth at a chance to prioritize my life. I'm gonna maximize my potential. I'm gonna reassess my strengths because I am wealthy. I love the story of Abraham. I love his story. His story's unique and a lot of people don't go back to the beginning. But when he left Ur of the Chaldees, he left a brother there. His brother said, I'm not going with you to that, wherever that land is. There's no continuing city there. I'm not going there. And Abram walked out and it, Haran, his father, whose name was Haran, died. I guess they named the city where his father died after the father that died there. And so he left a father at Haran, but he still kept walking toward the land. And when he got to the land of Canaan, Lot's men, his herdsmen, started fussing with Abraham's herdsmen. And they said, we can't, we can't live together. There's too much strife. And so Abram told Lot, he said, why don't you take what you want and I'll take what's left? <laughs> and Lot said, well, I'll take the well-watered plains here. And he pitched his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah and he'd had lowlands and he had irrigated lands where he could feed his flocks. And as soon as Lot left, Genesis 13, go home and read it, it's powerful. As soon as Lot left, can you imagine Abram standing there with a wife that was barren with no hope of perhaps ever making what he thought he was gonna make. But God said, Abram, right where you are, right where you are, lift up your eyes and look, look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west, every direction you look. He said, as far as you can see, 
I'm going to bless you with that. And he said, not only that, start walking. Abraham is everywhere you put your foot. Everywhere you put your foot down, I'm going to bless you. Now, it was a blank promise, but Abraham walked in it. He walked in it. He walked in it. And God blessed him with every bit of it. And it's still his land today. Here's what I want to tell you. It don't matter what has gone against you. God is saying, look up in 2021 and see what I have for you. Oh, hallelujah. And start walking in the promises of my faith. Ooh, I didn't mean to holler. I'll calm down. Forgive me. Embrace the place where you are. The second thing he said, you've got to develop your inner life. You have to develop your inner life. A man who owned a bunch of horses one day noticed that one of those horses, what time is it? Yeah, I'm good. Had kicked a wooden fence and scraped his leg real bad. And the man cleaned the wound and bandaged the animal's leg, but noticed a few weeks later that the horse was still bothered by the bruise. And the owner asked the veterinarian to come and examine the horse. And after checking the animal, the vet prescribed some antibiotics. Almost immediately the horse got better. And a month or so went by and the owner realized the wound had not healed. And so he was actually looking worse. And so he called the vet back. And the vet produced more antibiotics. And again, he got better. But when we went off the medicine, the process repeated itself. And the wound simply would not heal. Finally, the vet put the horse to sleep and began to probe the injured leg. And once he got deep enough, the vet discovered a large sliver of wood that had gone far enough beneath the skin when the horse had hit the fence months before and the leg was infected. And they had been treating the symptoms rather than the source of the horse's pain. And a lot of times, that's what people do when they face problems. They keep making surface changes rather than dealing with the root issues in their life. And they treat the symptoms instead of the cause. Many people reason things out rather than root things out. They have conversation They talk about it. That's antibiotics. It makes them feel better, but nothing changes. They decide it's someone else's fault. They blame others. That's antibiotics. It makes them feel better, but nothing changes. They play the victim. That's another antibiotic. Makes them feel better, but nothing is changing. It's kind of like cutting weeds versus pulling weeds. My dad was avid about me keeping the garden cleaned of weeds And one day he said, son, I want you to go clean the garden. It's got some weeds in it. I knew what he meant. Go pull them. Don't chop them. Go pull them. Get them out by the roots. And I said, dad, he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to get the hoe. I thought thought maybe he had forgot what he told me. He said, son, mm -mm, put gloves on and go pull them weeds out. I don't want them back. You hear me? Put them in a sack and we'll burn that sack. So when we cut weeds, we see temporary improvement. But the root cause for the weed is still there under the surface. And as long as the root cause of the problem is not dealt with, the problem will resurface again and again and again and again. That's what happened to the children of Israel when they came out into the wilderness from Egypt. A trip was supposed to be an 11-day journey. Just 11 days all it's supposed to take. But the root cause of their problem is that they developed a victim's mentality. They had been treated horribly in Egypt, but God had brought them out of Egypt. Egypt was in their past. They were going forward. Now in the wilderness, they blame Moses 
for their lack of food and lack of water. And they complained about the food and blamed the past and they fretted over their enemies. It never dawned on them that they were the, a big part of the problem that happened in their lives. Maybe you've been stuck at the same place in your life way too long, a sour marriage, a dead end career, some circle of soap opera people surrounding you. Oh, there's some people that love drama. You ever heard of a drama mama? You ever heard of a drama papa? There's drama mamas and papas. You know, I just can't hardly stand the title, The Young and the Restless. I can't, even, I can't stand that title. I would never watch that. Now, I, if I'm getting on your, I'm sorry if I'm hammering you right now. Forgive me. Wash me, Lord. Cleanse me. Give me general hospital. I want somebody to get better. I don't want somebody young and restless. I'm sorry. Maybe you're fairly hard to get along with. Maybe you're defensive. Maybe you're critical. It's time for a better day in your life. You hear me? Our prayer should be, God, please show me the truth about myself and help me get to the root of my problem. Proverbs 4 said, above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. Jesus said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your body will be full of light. He's not talking about just natural vision. He's talking about what you see. What do you perceive in your life? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. To the pure, all things are pure. What you have to see is not 2020 vision. You have to see that God has a great plan for your life. You've got to walk in the fact that God has a great plan in your life. I'm not talking about, can you read this on the wall? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what do you see that God can do in your life? I'm seeing great things for you. And I believe if you'll take I Will Be Better series and you'll walk with it and you'll do these seven principles I'm preaching about, I promise you when you get toward the summertime or toward the fall time, you're gonna see things a whole lot differently because God is not only bringing us out of something, he's bringing us into something. He's not only bringing us out of something, he's putting us into something. He's taking us out of a pandemic and putting us into a faith that we've never had in our life because we have made it through this pandemic and God's got something greater for us. Oh, hallelujah. Folks, I feel the, I feel the unction here. You, you, know, you know, right here, right here used to be where I studied and prayed. It was my old office right here. And for 23 years, I prepared messages and, and now I just about seven steps from where I used to, to pray and hear Josh play the drums in the auditorium and drive me crazy. <laughs> Josh, I love your drumming, son, but I'm on the other side of the building now. You can do it all you want to. <laughs> you know, I have, I've talked with some people that came out of church. I, I, I don't know how to really say this any, any kinder. But there are folks that have come out of legalism. Uh, I came out of legalism. But, I, but I, had, I had seven families walk in the church when we were in the old building. We had just built this structure that we remodeled and added on to. Please be patient with me on this subject, on this thought here, because I want to be kind. I want to be very, very kind. And seven families walked in and they had been, they had been told what to do and when to do and how to do. 
and they couldn't even think on their own. And they were so maligned, they didn't understand what grace was all about. They thought if I didn't pop the whip and beat them down and make them feel bad about Jesus and make them feel bad about how he thought about us, that I hadn't preached well. And I went to my wife one day and I said, baby, I don't know if I can or not, but I'm going to do my best to turn as many of those families as I can toward the grace of God. Because there's so many people, listen to me, there's so many people that just don't understand how gracious God's grace is. God's grace is amazing. God's grace is awesome. Anybody that knows what I'm talking about, can you clap your hands right now? The grace of God is so awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. And they scattered because they couldn't grasp that God really loved them in spite of themselves. They couldn't grasp it. They had to go somewhere where somebody would use whips and somebody would beat them. Somebody would hurt them so they would feel less. They're too, they're too short. They can't even see over to the glory of God. They can't get anywhere they want to go. Listen to me. God's got a place for you. God's got a place for every one of us. He wants to take us to a place of grace in our life. He wants you to feed on him and bless with him and understand that he is the God that not only can save you from, but deliver you to a beautiful, beautiful place. And you've got to trust him with this. And I believe with all my heart, you are in a place of grace today. I've often said, you know, I've often described the cult as this, that everybody does what the preacher says. So I know this ain't a cult. There ain't nobody in this house, everybody does what I say. My family don't even do what I say sometimes. I didn't even raise them in that manner. But I want you to grasp grace. I want you to grasp grace and say, grace, I need you in my life. I want you to direct me. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, that teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm telling you, grace can be your schoolmaster. Let grace be in your life today. Come on, clap your hands real big. Don't let a root of bitterness get in you. Don't let a root of bitterness. Some people reason things out rather than root them out. God wants to develop an inner life. I got off to preaching and got out of my notes. You know, God's knocking at the doors of new rooms in your house. He really is. But the doorknob's on the inside. You've got to open the door. He's a gentleman. He's not going to barge in. It's where we hide our fears, our weaknesses, our shortcomings, our offenses, our anger and resentment. Everybody say embrace the place. Everybody say develop my inner life. And I close today with this. You've got to stay passionate about life. You've got to be passionate about life. You've got to be passionate. Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recover to the sight of the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. A Russian author one day, a Christian author named Turgenev. Somebody told him that he felt the most important thing in life was to put oneself in second place. And Turgenev replied to his friends. He said, the most difficult and important decision in life is to decide what or who should be in first place. <laughs> you can be in second place all you want to. 
But if first place ain't Jesus, it's not a good second. Everybody say, Lord, I want to get your energy. I want to let the mind that was in Christ be in me. I want to have you in my life. I've spoken in high school commencements and invariably there's special music on the program and the song Climb Every Mountain is almost always sung. Ford every stream, follow every rainbow till you find your dream. But talking to many young people, I find many young people mentally do not have on climbing boots. They're not carrying a rope or a climber's axe. And greatness is not born out of a culture that just wants to relax and just be cool and act like you got it all and you possess it all. I think sometimes we need a passion to grip us. A passion to grip us. I don't want a generation of youth who are just secure and respectable but are passionate about nothing. We need to be passionate about something. And can I say it? I know it may hurt me with some, but I'm not talking about getting passionate about politics. I'm not talking about getting passionate about what's going on in our world. Somebody here has got to get passionate about Jesus Christ. That's true. Randy, you'll help me. Somebody, somebody's got to say, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take all that stuff, but give me Jesus. The only thing that I want to be passionate about in my life is my relationship with Jesus Christ. A soldier with no zest for fighting, an author with no zeal for writing, an architect without a plan, it's the prototype of modern man. Where are we going to find the people who will run a dairy whose motto is this? I think this is cute. It said, our cows are not content. They're striving to produce better milk every day. I love that. I want this church to strive to be the best church it can be in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The best it can be. So I wonder if our children still memorize such corny lines as Longfellow's words. The heights by great men reached and kept weren't attained by sudden flight, but they, while companions slept, were toiling upward through the night. See, there's too many people who are busy with theories that will help them learn without learning or memorize without labor or think without turning over their mind. Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote this, and it still grabs me. I read it as a young man. It still gets me. Through our great good fortune in our youth, our hearts were touched by fire. It was given to us at the outset that life was a profound and passionate thing. And we were permitted to scorn nothing but indifference and do not pretend to understand the worldly rewards of ambition. We have seen with our own eyes beyond the gold fields as the snowy heights to the snowy heights of honor. And it is for us to report them to those who come after us. Young couples, young people, I was born in that fire. I had a passion in my spirit. And guess what? I just threw another log on my fire today. I'm still passionate about this thing called Christianity. Come on, somebody, help me. I'm still passionate about this thing called church. I'm still passionate about this man called Jesus. 
life is a profound and passionate thing. Everybody said, I can become a better me. I can have better relationships. I can have better experiences. But I have to open the door of my heart and let God know that. I want to embrace where I am. I want to deal with the root issues in my life. And I want to, be, I want to continue to be passionate about life. I didn't share this with First Church. I'm going to share it with you. I was preaching as a young man, a single young man. And the pastor's wife walked up to me after church. I'm sorry. I'm passionate today. And said, if you don't stop that kind of preaching, I was giving it everything I had, physically, emotionally, spiritually. She said, you won't live to be 30. And I took her advice, and I tried, I tried to change. I tried to become very dry, dusty, boring. <laughs> Analytical, anal. And that just wasn't me. So one day I called her and I said, do my funeral well. Because I'm going to be on fire for God until the day he takes me home. Yeah. Young couples, I want passion in your marriage. I want passion in your church serving. Older couples, I want passion in your marriage. I want passion in your church serving. I want God to be so important in your life. I want his hand to be so directly on your life. I've preached too long, I apologize. Kinda. A great sculpture was told one day, what does, that doesn't look like what you advertise that sculpt, sculpture you're fixing there. And he replied, it will when I'm finished. And he just kept chipping away at it and finally one day, he said, there it is. And it looked like what he advertised. God, keep working on us in 2021. We're going to make this year a grand year. We're going to make it a great year. Because we're going to be passionate. We're going to get our inner self developed. And amen. We're going to absolutely see the very best that you have for us. Because we're going to embrace the place. Would you stand? Clap your hands as you're standing. Receive the word today. Receive the word. Receive the word with a hand clap. Receive the word. Receive the word with a hand clap. I am so proud of you and I'm going to let you go in just a minute. I'm going to let you go. 11.15 is dismissal. I mean 12.15 is dismissal time. Stay with me. Lift your hands and say with me, Pastor, I receive the word today. Let it bless me. Let it change me. Let it move me to another level of walking with God. I love him. I love church. I love his presence. I want it in my life all this year. In Jesus' name, amen.
Clap your hands one more time. Now, it's time. It's time to dismiss. So, you that need to go, go ahead. But if somebody wants something special, I want you to come down here. I'm going to pray for you a little special today. If you want something a little extra in your life, if you got something you're battling, something you're fighting, something you're up against, and you need just a special touch from God, I want you to come. God bless all of you. Have a super, super weekend. We'll see you next Sunday. You're awesome people, and we love you here at CLA. Amen. I love y'all. Come on. You got something. You got something in your life. You just want something from God. Come on. Come on, come on down, guys. Come on down. It's cool. This is cool. This is cool. This is all right. This is all right. This is all right. That means you're after something. You're chasing something. You want something in your life. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's grand. That's precious. All right, now, I want you to lift your hands with your spouse or by yourself. And I want you to say, Dear Lord, I thank you for the word today. And God, I came to the front because I had a special need, a special request that only you can help me with. So God, the first thing I do is surrender myself and confess to you that it's too big for me, but it's not too big for you. And I receive what you're gonna give me today in my life. God, if I need a job, you're gonna provide. If I need healing, you're gonna be my healer. If I need deliverance from something, you'll be my deliverer. You will be the God that I need today in my life. And I surrender myself to your perfect and blessed will in my life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now let's go a step further for those that have not done this. Everybody pray together so nobody will be embarrassed. Dear Lord, I come today and I repent of my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my thoughts. Sorry for my actions. Sorry for my words. But Lord, I know that you want to save me today. And I need a fresh start in my life. I need that salvation today. So I receive it. I receive it. In the name of the Lord, clap your hands today and rejoice. Rejoice over that. Come on, rejoice over that. Come on, rejoice over that. God is awesome. He is awesome. He is awesome. He is awesome. Now turn around and look at your tomorrow and say, I'm coming at you. I'm going to be all right. God's with me. I'm going to run down the aisle here and get a little high five from everybody. I love all of you. Wow. Wash your hands after you patted me. I love all of you. I love all of you. I love all of you. I love 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 you. All right. I'll do this other side here if you hang on just a minute. I love all of you. I love all of you. I love all of you. I love you. I love you, buddy. I love y'all. I love y'all. Thanks for being such wonderful, wonderful people. Thanks for being great people in the kingdom of God. I love you. God's got a plan for you. He's got a blessing for you. He's going to help you. He's going to give you strength. He's going to give you courage. He's going to give you grace. Amen. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you.